Um, all right, so here's the deal. Um, we're primarily going to be in Romans 5, but to kind of get the context, we're going to start in Romans 4. So I'm in Romans 4, uh, starting in verse 13. I'm going to read to about 16, and then we'll jump over to Romans 5.1. And we do that just so you can kind of, because Romans 5.1 starts off with a therefore, and you've got to know what the therefore is about. So, uh, so let's start. We're in Romans chapter 4, starting in verse 13. It says, For the promise to Abraham, or uh, his descendants, that he would inherit... The world was not through the law. Uh, so again, the, the promise to Abraham or to his descendants that he would inherit the world was not through the law, but through the righteousness that comes by faith. If those who are of the law are heirs, faith is made empty and the promise is nullified because the law produces wrath. And, and where there is no law, there is no transgression. This is why the promise is by faith, so that it may be according to grace, to guarantee it to all the descendants, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of Abraham's faith. He is the father of us all, right? And now we're going to skip down to 5.1. It says, Therefore, since we have been declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have also obtained access through Him by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also rejoice in our afflictions. Because we know that affliction produces endurance. Endurance produces proven character. And proven character produces hope. This hope will not disappoint us. Because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Uh, for while we were still helpless... At the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For rarely will someone die for a just person. Though for a good person, perhaps someone might even dare to die. But God proves his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And that's our but God moment there in verse 8. In this series, we're tracking through Scripture, all these places that we find the Scripture say, but God. And so here's our verse this morning in Romans 5, 8. I'll put it up on the screen. It says, but God proves his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So three things I have for you this morning um, in regards to this verse. And here's the first. I want you to know this morning that if you want proof of God's love, all you have to do is look to the cross. Men, if you want proof of God's love, just look to the cross, right? Just look to the cross. Uh, the verse said, but God proves his own love for us, and that while we're still sinners, Christ died for us. God proves his love in this fact that his one and only son, Jesus, died for us. And this is kind of the story of the Bible, right? The most well-known verse in the history of mankind, uh, John 3.16 says, right? Uh, now, this is the CSB version. I, I still go back to my old NIV days. Uh, for God so loved the world... That he gave his one and only son. That whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Right? That's, this is the, the story of the Bible. Well, but what did God give his son Jesus to do? Why was Jesus born? He was born so that he could die. Right? Peter says it this way in his epistle. Uh, speaking of Jesus, he says, He himself uh, bore our sins in his body on the tree. It's talking about the cross. So that having died to sins, we might live for righteousness. By his wounds, we are healed. And that phrase, by the tree, is used quite a bit in the New Testament. And Paul explains why. It's because it's tied to prophecy. They want to show that Jesus fulfilled prophecy. So Paul says this in Galatians 3. It says, Christ redeemed us 
from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us because it is written, curse is everyone who is hung on a tree, right? And, and so Jesus' entire life, his, his entire ministry, his 33 years on the face of this earth were all leading to one moment. Remember in his ministry, at one point it says Jesus set his face to Jerusalem. He was going to Jerusalem so that he could die on the cross. We just celebrated Easter. Before Easter, before you can celebrate the resurrection, comes Good Friday when you have to contemplate the death of Jesus. And on that day, uh, we, we know what happened. Thursday night, Jesus is arrested right? He's praying in the garden. He's praying, Father, if you can take this cup from me, please do so. He's overwhelmed, the Bible says, to the point of death. Here comes Judas. Uh, Jesus is arrested. He's put on a mock trial Thursday night. He is beaten within an inch of his life. 39 times he was, he was hit with that cat of nine tails that was made up with leather strips that had glass and bone. They sunk deep into his flesh and they were ripped out over... Thir- Almost dead, Jesus then had to carry a cross. Some think it was up to 200 pounds that he had to carry all the way through the streets up to the hill called Golgotha. And there the Roman soldiers drove nine-inch spikes into his wrists and into his feet. They made sure that his, his knees were bent though because they wanted it to take a long time. They would, they would put a bend in people's knees so that they wouldn't die uh, right away, but they would fight for life because that's what we do in our flesh. And, and so they would stand up on the spikes to get a quick breath, and then they would go back down before they were asphyxiated, before they died. And Jesus, as He hung on that cross in agony, cried out, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And so the question that we have when we contemplate these things is why? Why would God allow that to happen to his one and only son? Better yet, the Bible doesn't say that God allowed it. It actually says that God planned it. Why would God's plan be that his one and only son would suffer and die on a cross? Why would God plan that? Ready? Here's the answer. To prove to you personally just how much you mean to God. God sends His very best in His Son Jesus, right? But God proves His love for us in this, that Christ dies for... So God sends His very best and He does it to prove to you and to me, to prove to us personally, to prove to us individually that no matter how we feel, no matter how unlovable at times we think we are, no matter what other people may say about us, that He, God, the one that knit us together in our mother's womb, that knows every mistake we've ever made, loves us deeply and dearly and personally. I love what C.S. Lewis writes in one of his books. He says, when he died, speaking of Jesus in the wounded world, He died not for men, but for each man. If each man had been the only man made, he would have done no less. Friends, I want you to know that God loves you personally. And if you ever wonder if God loves you, if you ever feel unlovable, just look at the cross. It is proof of how God feels about you. Okay, so that's where we start. If you ever want proof that God loves you, look at the cross. The second thing I would say, though, is if you ever want proof of God's love for you, just look in the mirror. 
If you ever want proof of God's love for you, just look in the mirror. Uh, we're really good at, at hiding uh, our true identity from others, aren't we? Amen? Come on. We're good, right? And you know that you're good at it. You know that it's second nature to you because every time somebody asks, hey man, how you doing? Uh, you know, are you okay? And your response is, I am fine. See, y'all know it. We all, we all do the same thing. Like, we are so good at not showing people what's really going on. We're so good at covering the truth from everyone else. And the reason why, y'all, is because we don't want to be exposed for the wreck that we are, Right? We don't want to walk around just, just letting everybody know, dude, no, I'm a complete wreck. We get dressed, we, we put on nice clothes and makeup and smell good, deodorant, right? I want you to know that I'm, like, and, and, and we don't want to be exposed. Jesus talked about that in the book of John. In John chapter 3, he says this. He says, everyone who does evil hates the light and won't come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed, Right? there's one person it's hard to lie to, I'm not talking about God, though that's the truth. I don't know about you, but I have these things that I hate. I hate them. Okay? I, call, I have a name for them. Uh, so I'll share that name with you and you'll go, uh-huh, I've had those. Ready? I have these stupid things that I call mirror moments. Anybody ever have those? Right? Where you, you know you've been hiding from everyone else You've told everyone else that you're fine, that everything's great, but there's stuff going on in your life that you know ain't right, and you have this moment that you just stare in the mirror, and your reflection is looking at your soul, right? Your reflection, looking back in your own eyes, is like laying out before you everything wrong in your life. Anybody else have those? I hate those. Like three people, just the three of them? God, I hate them. In fact, I hate them so much that I think I spend less and less time in front of the mirror. I mean, I have less hair than I used to, too. But I think in general, they're like, I just skip that because I, I, like, it's hard, right? So we, we, we do this really good job at not letting anyone else really see what's going on. And we have these moments that we, 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 we really know what's going on, but we don't even like those moments. But here's the crazy truth. God, unlike those people and unlike us who only sees and deals with it occasionally, for God, our sin is always on display. God always knows all the ugliness that we try so hard to cover up from other people and that we don't even want to deal with in our own life. God always sees it. And in the midst of it, here's our verse. Let me show you again, right? Romans 5, 8 up on the screen. But God proves, here's proof. He proves His love for us in that what? While we're sinners, He dies for us. Right? If, if you wanted to take it further, verse 6 really unpacks it even a little better. It says, for while we were still helpless, at, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For the ungodly. So listen, we know that God loves us because Christ died for us when we were ungodly. We, we know that God loves us because Christ died for us when we were unable. We know that God loves us because Christ died for us when we were unchanged. We know that God loves us because Christ died for us when we were unrepentant. We know that God loves for us because Christ died for us when we were unwilling. We know that God loves us because God, Christ died for us when we were unacceptable. And we know that God loves us because Christ died for us when we were completely undeserving. Right? This is love. This is love. Not that we loved him first, but that he loved us. And he sent Jesus as this atoning sacrifice while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. That's proof. If you ever want to know 
how much God loves you. Just look at your life. Look at all the mistakes that you make. And then think about this. Our God is not like anyone else. We can't fool Him. We can't ignore Him. And, and even, even better, He's eternal, which means He always exists in the past, the present, and the future. And that God who sees you before you were ever knit together in your mother's womb, who knows exactly what you're going through now, and knows how you're going to mess up tomorrow, that God still chooses to send His very best to die for you. That's crazy how much God loves you. If you want to know the depths of the love of God, just look in the mirror. Look at your life. Right? And don't let it be a source of shame. Right? We, we do that, by the way. We look in the mirror and we just, we're downcast. Anybody else? Like, oh, I'm such a, God, I'm such a moron. Anybody else feel like that? I'm just such a loser. No, like, you know what? Yeah, yeah when you see that sin, just know how much God loves you. Let it change you. Right? It's not just, oh, I'm such a sinner. Yeah, but oh, he's such a savior. Man, he loves me. He loves me. If you want to know how much God loves you, look to the cross. You want to know you want proof of God's love? Uh, just look in the mirror. Finally, if you want proof of God's love, uh, just look in your heart. Just look in your heart. This is only for believers. You're not a believer yet. This doesn't apply to you because you won't find this there. We'll talk about that. Right? But for those that are believers, now I know what you're thinking, you great Bible scholars, you're like, uh, Pastor Jason, I know the heart is deceitful above all else and beyond cure. You're right, okay? Uh, but there's something else dwelling in that heart that's beyond cure. It's beyond cure before you have Jesus, and then it's cured, okay? Now it's still wayward, but it's cured. We'll talk about it, right? So if you, you want to know, you want proof of God's love for you, look in your heart. So the cross, right, if we just stopped at the cross, cross is so much more than we deserve, Amen? Cross is so much more than we deserve. But God didn't stop at the cross, right? He kept going. Jesus didn't stay dead. He rose again. And then, and then that wasn't enough. He didn't just conquer death. Then he hung out and he proved to everyone that he was alive, like really alive. In fact, Acts 1 says this. It says, uh, after he had suffered, he also presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days, speaking to them about the kingdom of God. And so listen, uh, the cross would be enough. It'd be more than enough. But, Je but God doesn't stop at the cross. He, he brings Jesus back to life. Then he proves to uh, hundreds of people. At one point, Jesus appears alive post-death to over 500 people. And then Jesus says this, like God still doesn't stop there. Jesus says, hey, uh, I'm about to go to the Father, and so here's what I want you guys to do. It Now at this point, there's only 120 believers gathered together. And Jesus says, I want you to wait in Jerusalem for that one I talked to you about, the promised Holy Spirit. I, I, because like, like you're going to need him. And then right before their eyes, uh, Scripture says in Acts that Jesus ascends into heaven right before them. And then they go and they do what Jesus said and they wait and they pray. And then the Holy Spirit, day of Pentecost, comes, right? And, and fulfills everything that Jesus told them. Now, what did Jesus tell them? We find that in John 15 and John 16. So, uh, John uh, 15, 26, Jesus says, when the counselor comes... 
the one I'll send you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the... He'll testify about me. That happens. Holy Spirit comes. They begin basically uh, proclaiming the goodness of God in, in people's uh, original dialect, right? They, begin, they become witnesses immediately. Uh, he says in John 16, 7, Nevertheless, I'm telling you the truth. It's for your benefit that I go away. Because if I don't go away, the counselor won't come to you. But if I go, I'll send him to you. He says this in verse 13 uh, of John 16. When the spirit of truth comes, he'll guide you into all truth. For he won't speak on his own, but he'll speak whatever he hears. He'll also declare to you what is to come. So the Holy Spirit comes. And it's better for the people. Because get this, it's not Jesus with them. It's going to be the Spirit of God in them. And, and listen, this is further proof of God's love. Uh, we, we skipped, maybe you didn't catch this, but it's in Romans 5.5. 5. It's right before we hit 6 and 8, right? It says, this hope will not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out, where? In our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. 2 Corinthians 1 and Ephesians 1 will reference the Holy Spirit as a down payment, as proof of what's to come. Okay? So here's, here's what I'm going to tell you guys this morning. It's Mother's Day. I get it. So today, a lot of moms are going to feel appreciated. Like, it's the one day out of the other 364 that you guys, okay, I feel loved today, right? Because, like, you know, we should do that every day. It's the one day. But it's not just moms that walk through the door and maybe you weren't feeling very loved. The truth is we all get that way sometimes. And that's why Romans 5, 8 is so important. Because you need to remember that no matter how you feel, no matter how the world makes you feel, no matter what thoughts you may have about your lack of value, like we struggle with value and identity, we, we don't think we're good enough. Uh, here is the truth though. See, we come to church to hear the truth even when we don't want to hear the truth. So here's the truth, ready? The truth is God loves you. That's the truth. The truth is God loves you. He loves you in, in, when you're killing it, and He loves you when you're falling on your face, right? He loves you at your best, and He loves you at your worst. And if you want proof that God loves you, all you have to do is look to the cross. The cross is proof that God gave His very best for you. That's not enough. We say, how, how, how could God really love me? That's, that's the question you should ask. Look in the mirror. Look at your life. Look at your past. Look at your sin. Look at your failure. And then again, look to the cross. God says, listen, you matter so much to me that I don't even demand, I don't even require that you would change. I just want you. So I'll do what you can't do. I'll send my son Jesus to live the life you couldn't. He'll die the death you deserve so that you can be with me. I love you. If you want further proof, you ever felt that tug in your heart? You ever read scripture and been reminded? Ever felt like it was speaking to you? Ever had a moment that a voice said don't or do? Every time the Holy Spirit moves in your life, it is further proof of just how much God loves you because he didn't have to go any further than the cross. But he conquers death. He ascends to heaven. And he sends us, what's better than Jesus? The Holy Spirit living in us. God in us, right? So what do we do with the truth of Romans 5.8? Because that's, that's ultimately, we can show up at church all day, y'all. 
We can take some notes, but if we don't leave change because of what we heard, nothing matters, right? So here's our challenge. Every time we study the Word of God, we want to think, how can I apply it? So I think there's a few things we can do. Number one, first and foremost, I think we need to gaze a little longer at the cross. I think we need to gaze a little longer at the cross. Some of you uh, here have never done that before. You've never really thought about the cross and that God loves you. Uh, you, you, you've, you know, like the Bible's pretty clear that we're all sinners. Uh, it says, as such that we're enemies of God. Maybe you've never thought that there's a real God that knows you and that cares about you, but that's the truth of Scripture. Man, God loves you. Today, would you consider that love? The only way you'll consider it is if you think about what really happened on the cross, that the Son of God died in your place. Man, if you'll consider that today, you could become a child of God. You just have to say, God, I'm so sorry. Forgive me of my sins. Man, come into my life. So that, that's for people that don't know, right? Because you didn't have the third thing. You don't have uh, the Holy Spirit in your heart yet, but you can today. Today, you can become a child of God. You just have to believe and receive. Uh, but for those of us that are believers, here's what I, I, I kind of, I'm kind of convinced of this, man. We're, we've gotten really good at wearing the t-shirts and the necklaces and hanging, uh, hanging uh, it on our wall. We even have tattoos. So we've kind of got the cross around, right? We've got it on our Bibles. We, we've got it on our necklaces. We've got it on our skin. We hang it on our wall. But we don't ever think of the significance of the love of God on display. Some of you have reminders of what Christ has done all over your home, all over your life, and you still walk around with your head down feeling like a piece of junk, man. The cross isn't just a reminder that your sin is forgiven. The cross is a reminder that above all of creation, God says, I love you. You are loved dearly, deeply, personally, intimately, if it were only you. That's enough, man. That's what the cross is. So all those reminders you have hanging everywhere, let them, like, look at them, gaze upon them again, and think, wow, God loves me. Wow, God loves me. Right? Let them remind you of what they're supposed to remind you of, the love of God. For God so loved the world He gave His Son. God proves his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Second thing um, we need to do is we need to confess to God all that we see in the mirror. This is weird uh, for some of you, I know, because like, you know, okay, parents, we always know when our kids are lying most of the time, right? Now, some of us have some really good kids and you're not sure. Okay? And I get you. I get you. We're kind of that way. But, but unlike us, like God sees it all. He knows it all. Uh, so here, you know, here, what, why do we want our kids to confess when they, when they say, we know what they've done, but we're like, hey, hey, you need to confess. Why do you want to? Because it, it, it hurts the relationship, right? And, and so listen, some of you came in and you're not feeling great about yourself and you're not feeling great about yourself because you've spent so much time in your life hiding what's going on from other people and you've been trying to hide it from God that it's affected your relationship with God so you actually feel unloved because of what you're hiding. The, the crazy truth is he sees it all. And, and, and what, ha what, what, what needs to be healed, it's not from God's end, it's from your end. What, what's broken in the relationship is you, not him. And so what we need to do is that stuff we see in the mirror, all that ugliness, all that stuff that makes us feel worthless, we just need to confess it to God. And listen, when we do, he's like, ha ha, you're mine. Yes, 
I've been telling you, this is why I sent Jesus, because I love you. Because I, I, I died for you, because you mean the world to me, right? Listen to me, this is a crazy thought. What if we really lived out that truth of Scripture that there was no condemnation in Christ? Can you imagine the freedom if we would accept the love of God in every area of our life, that when we fail, we would just confess it and we would just literally let God's love wash over us and we would, instead of walking as Christians through the world like this, I'm so dumb, I'm so stupid, right? Just head down all the time. And, and by the way, when you do that, you miss all of the people God puts in your path. Can I say that again? But like we do this because we're on mission, by the way, y'all. Like we're actually called to go be the light of the world. We're called to be the love that people experience. There's experience the love of God through us. So if you don't, like if you don't receive the love of God and you walk around, uh, it's sulking in your failure uh, for something that's not performance-based, y'all. It's grace-based. But if, if you performance anxiety delivered Americans walk around feeling like a failure all the time in your faith, you will literally walk past all the people that you're actually called to be a light to, and you'll be darkness and gloom instead of light. Right? Does that make sense? And so how do we get there? We just confess to God, I'm a mess. And do you know how freeing it is when it comes to everyone else in your life that I'm not hiding anymore? Like, I'm just a Christian, y'all. I mess up every single day. No condemnation for those that are in Christ. All right? Like, I, I, I blew it yesterday. I'm sure I blew it in a thousand areas. I'm sure I'll blow it in some today. But, that, but God loves me. But God loves me. And he's not finished with me because he never starts a work that he doesn't finish. This, too, is proof of God's love. Lastly, I would just say this. Uh, we need to rejoice in God's love. That's worship in my mind. And then we need uh, to let the Spirit lead us. The Scripture talks about keeping in step with the Spirit. Um, so here's what I'm going to say to you. I say this in love. I love you, right? Y'all know I love you. I'm not trying to hurt you. I'm trying to hurt me. Um, I often feel unloved. Um, I've, I've struggled with some stuff since my dad passed. It's, it's a long... If you ever want to ask, I'll, I'll pour it out. But... Um, I, I, I've had some illegitimate things. It just, it's happened, right? So there are days that I wake up and I feel like an illegitimate son. Like it just, it's real. It's very real to me. It's, it's been a struggle for, I don't know, six years. Uh, and there's some days that it's great and some days that it's not. Um, so I'll tell you the difference between the two dates, ready? The days it's good and the days it's not. Because you have the same thing going on. Here's the difference, one thing. Am I keeping in step with the Spirit or not? See, when I am in the Spirit... Right? So Paul says, so I say to you, live by the Spirit and you won't gratify the cravings of the flesh. When I'm in the Spirit, when I'm praying, when I'm seeking the Lord, when I'm memorizing Scripture, when I'm worshiping God, nothing else that the world can throw at me matters. It's all good. It's all good. Now, it's not all easy. It's not all easy. I, but, but I can consider it pure joy when I go through trials of many kinds. Thank you, James. Right? Why? Because the Holy Spirit is in me. And I'm, I'm here. Are you alive? You got breath in your lungs? Did you put your feet on the floor this morning? Hallelujah, you won. Right? That's it. 
The Holy Spirit in me has allowed me to overcome every fault, every feeling, every time I don't think I'm enough. God says, yeah, you are, and I'm still here, buddy. I'm still, that may be the greatest testimony that I wake up every day saying, God, be glorified in my life, right? So if you walk through the doors and you're feeling unloved, I'm not trying to hurt you, but it's a real danger sign, a warning sign that you're not keeping in step with the Spirit. Because when we're keeping in step with the Spirit, there is constant proof to us that we are loved by God. All right? I pray that you'll receive that this morning. Let me pray for us. Father, thanks for your word. It is good. Uh, I pray this morning that we would um, receive it, that it would change us, that we'd be different because of what we've heard. Father, I pray that we would leave this place talking about what we've heard. We would be uh, challenging one another by thinking deeper on, on, on your word. We believe that's what it, it means to be transformed into your image, that iron sharpens iron. So God, I pray uh, this morning that you'd be glorified. I pray that you would change us. And God, I pray that you would teach us just how loved we really, really are. In Jesus' name we pray.